0: Coming up next on the Wetfly Swing Podcast.
1: I caught this tailing common one time. It was tailing behind a toilet. It was awesome. <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, electric scooters and stuff in the water. It's sometimes if the water's flowing pretty good, they'll get behind things uh, just to make it easier on themselves. But sometimes in some of these canal sections, there's not much flow at all. So it's almost like still water and it's just kind of random. They'll just be there. And most of those fish are dry fly fish.
0: That was Chris Bear taking us into the habitat of the urban jungle. Tailing carp, swinging flies, and community today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. It's time to check out Travel Time before we get started. WetflySwing.com slash Travel Time a quick chance to win a fly rod from rare gear, and a potential guided trip near your hometown. That's wetflyswing.com traveltime travel time. Check it out right now. Today's episode is sponsored by Togen's Fly Shop, providing superior quality products at an affordable price, a great resource for fly tying materials, tools, and accessories. Togen's has been over delivering since 2005 on price, service, and passion. And now, you can check out what Togans has going on this year. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash Togans right now. T-O-G-E-N-S. Togans online. We're also sponsored by Angler's Coffee, roasting a full range of coffee with one goal in mind. Delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. A blend for every taste, a dry dropper on the go, teabag option, roast sampler. Joe's got it all going. You can go to wetflyswing.com/anglers right now. That's A N G L E R S. You support a sustainable company with unsurpassed taste and this podcast in one shot. Chris Bear takes us into Arizona to discover how he catches massive carp in the city and beyond. We find out which line and rod is the best for what he's doing up there, who some of the local guides are in the area and what events they have coming up this year um, around carp and some other cool stuff they have going at the, uh, at the fly shop. I'm not going to lie to you. This might be my favorite episode of all time. So without further ado, here we go. Chris Bear from azflyshop.com. How's it going, Chris? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking a little time today. We uh, we have a, a hot topic that we're going to dig into. Uh, it's uh, I don't know if you feel like carp fishing is a hot topic, but I feel like there's a lot of people interested in it um, out there. But we're going to talk about kind of a maybe an A to Z to carp fishing today. Um, and we're going to talk about how the fly shop you work for there, you work with, and, and all that. But uh, before we get there, take us into really quickly back into how you got into fly fishing, then we'll take it into the fly shop.
1: So, yeah, I um, I uh, actually, I, I grew up on the East Coast, I'm from Maryland originally, um, I grew up on the Susquehanna River, and I was, I did a lot of conventional gear fishing uh, growing up, I did a lot of striper fishing and things like that, and uh, when I was about 13 years old or so, I found this old fly rod in my grandfather's shed, and it was It was a, I forget what it was, but it was a fiberglass 10 weight. Hmm. (laughs) It it weighed like 11 pounds or something. (laughs) uh, I I took it out and um, I had a, like, I put a spoon on it. Hmm. (laughs) And (laughs) I I threw it out there and uh, just kind of lobbed it. I had no idea what I was doing. And I hooked this little tiny, like, like 14-inch schoolie striper on it. Oh, wow. And I was done after that. I started bass fishing with a fly rod like pretty soon after that and um pretty constantly, and it was uh, yeah kind of just over for me.
0: <laughs> right. So you put a spoon, like an actual lure. You put lure yeah. on the fly rod, cast out there, and got a striper.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it was what... not really a cast either. It was a, uh, a
0: flick. More of a, yeah, a lob. <laughs> yeah, a lob. It's good. And then, and then, so you got into Bass fishing. When did you, um, so in the whole process, when did the move out west take place?
1: I was, I was 21 when I moved out here, when I first moved out here. 22. I was 22. And, um, yeah, I just, I needed a change in life. I was, uh, I was done with the snow and just kind of living in a small town. Yeah. Um, so I packed up everything and I, I, I moved out here to Phoenix and, um, I was out here for a little while. I kind of had, you know, I started doing other things other than fly fishing, and um, fly fishing kind of took a back seat for for about a year or so. And then it kind of it crept back into my life, like, well, it kind of just ran back into my life. Um, and I started kind of exploring a lot of the urban stuff here here in Phoenix, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. So why Arizona out of all the the Western states? Why was it Arizona? Honestly,
0: it doesn't snow here. It doesn't snow in Phoenix. So (laughs) you you picked the hottest. You literally picked one of the hottest places in the country probably, right? To go.
1: Yeah. When I made my decision, it was January and um, it was like negative nine and there was two feet of snow on the ground. And it was, I think it was like 71 here at that point. And I was like, okay, that's, that's where I'm going
0: and now you've been there uh for a few years and so talk about that how did the so you're there at 22 and then when does the az fly shop when when do you connect with uh
1: with them so they um we've only been open for about a year and a half now oh wow yeah um so about a year and a half ago this guy his name's chris chris rich uh he started posting these social media posts in all of the local fly fishing like blogs and the Facebook groups and things like that. And he said he was opening a fly shop. He wanted to open a fly shop. He's a, he's a native here from Phoenix, which is kind of rare actually. And uh, he, he wanted Phoenix to have a good fly shop. So uh, he, I came down here and I was, I, I was, kind of semi-retired at the time and uh I was just fishing a lot and I uh I came down here and I talked to him and I kind of just I helped out for a little bit and he was like man he's like I kind of want you to manage the shop so wow yeah what did that feel like when you was that kind of out of the blue or what did you kind of expect that coming um I kind of I kind of expected it I I fell in love with the community and and being here uh really quickly just kind of being around everybody all all the like local fly fishermen um and it was it was pretty apparent so it's kind of it was just a it was just a really good fit um there was kind of some hesitance at first because I was fishing every day so I was like I'm I'm giving up that but
0: that's um, right That's right. You're in the shop. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but I, I, I do love it. I I love hanging out with everybody and, uh, I get to talk about fishing every day. So that's fun.
0: Yeah. What's when people come in the shop, uh, what percentage do you think of the person coming in there are thinking carp fishing
1: out here? It's pretty, it's pretty popular. Um, our, our local guys, they're like the year round people, um, people do it pretty regularly. Um, or they have, you know, they're, they're just figuring out about it. They're driving down the street and they see somebody fly fishing a canal and then they stop in there like, Hey, this guy was fly fishing. the canal. what was he doing? All right. And things like that. Um, so it's, it's probably half and half, half the people that are here in Phoenix aren't here year round though. So, Oh, no kidding. There you go. Yeah.
0: So people are there, right? Yeah, uh, that's right. People come winter time. People have their second homes or whatever, like to come yep. there to. Yep, gotcha. Yep. Nice. Well, uh, so that's a good little intro. I, I wanted to dig in. I mean, carp is the topic of the day here. I, I think that it would be awesome to dig into what you do out there with your urban carp fishing and uh, in some of the canals. So. Let's start there. Where where would you like to start? I'm curious on your perspective when you think, like if you are going to do like an A to Z carp fishing, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like you got somebody come in the shop, they know nothing about urban or know nothing about carp fishing.
1: Yeah. How do you start them off? So I first talked to them about the, like where they kind of want to carp fish. Um, We have a couple different carp fisheries here in Arizona. You have your kind of, outside the city river carp and they're ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> then you have your like your big lake carp um, like Lake Pleasant and mm. and Bartlett and things and they act a little bit different than your canal carp or your urban pond carp so I, I kind of go over like kind of where they where they were thinking about fishing at and um, because everybody's kind of everybody has the internet so if somebody's interested in carp fishing, they Google it before they come talk to me. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. So they have kind of an idea. Everybody does when they walk in, and yeah, uh, and then we kind of talk about the species. Um, we've got we've got grass carp and and common carp and all the common carp uh, morphs that are out here, uh, mirrors and koi and all that good stuff. But um, grass carp and common carp eat completely differently. Mm. Sometimes they'll eat the same things. Uh, a lot of times they're eating in different water columns and, and different times of day and things like that. So, hmm. Wow.
0: Well, let's, um, I think it'd be interesting to talk about the, uh, you know, kind of the urban, the canals and the canal carp, right? Uh, I think just touching on that, and we can talk about. Yeah. Spe- so, in those, in the kind of the urban stuff, is it, so you have both species there? Um, yeah, talk about that a little bit. What what is the you know just the differences between the, the feeding behaviors of of those two? And maybe and actually before you get there, just give us a brief. I'm not sure if you know it, but I'm curious on the history of carp in these canals. How does that happen? And have they been there forever?
1: So common carp have been everywhere as long as common carp have been places. <laughs> they're they're everywhere. They brought over by, by Europeans, and it was just yeah. wherever there's water, there you could find carp. Absolutely. Um, our grass carp, uh, our white amur, is what the SRP calls them. Um, they uh, they've been out here since SRP put them in the canals. Uh, and SRP stands for Salt River Project. It's our power company, one of our power and water companies, and um, they use them as a like kind of a pool cleaner for the canals. Oh wow! Yeah, they're they're sterile. I, I have uh, some with some friends that are biologists that have other opinions on that, but yeah. they, uh, they're, they're supposed to be sterile. Um, so they can manage them really well and, and everything. And, uh, yeah, they just dump them in there and, uh, have them clean, clean the vegetation. Wow. So they dump in the grass. So
0: what, between the grass carp and common carp, uh, which one is the one that's the one you would rather catch?
1: I'm a common carp guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, uh, They're my kind of fish. Um, It's, I think they're a little they're a little more finicky and and which is weird because everywhere else in the world grass carp are more finicky, but um, our common carp are they're a little more picky. But it's they're the ones that will just absolutely they'll send your backing not flying out through the guides and, and things like that. Oh, nice! Yeah, they get down. They're awesome. Yeah, they're good. And, and how? What, give us a range
0: of size. Like, what's uh what's an average uh, carp you're catching out there?
1: Average, we're in you know probably the the seven to nine range. Um, seven to nine pounds is kind of wow. kind of kind of average. Seven to nine pounds. So, and then what's your what's your trophy? Mine. Um, I caught one that was probably pushing forty the other day. Wow! the biggest grass carp. Forty pounds.
0: Forty yeah. pounds. So you're I mean, in these canals, there's some current out there. What what's that look like when you get a forty pounder on?
1: It's a lot like it's a lot like fight, fighting a saltwater fish. They give you a couple big runs, and then you're picking up a bunch of line, and then they see the see you or the net, and then they give you another giant run. Um, the commons they they pull a lot harder. Um, I've fought I've fought commons before for thirty forty minutes. Uh, grassies they kind of tend to fight a lot like a wet mattress sometimes.
0: Yep, Right. Yeah. Like you snagged them or something. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, wow, this is cool. So common carp are the ones that you're kind of targeting. They're the better fighters. They can get huge. Well, let's just go into the gear, uh, start there because that's a good place, you mm-hmm. know, to kind of tell us how, you know, again, you're getting some big fish. What does that look like? So, So rod and line, talk about that, and then we'll talk about leader and some flies real quick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I personally, I throw six weights. Um, it hits the water a lot lighter than your, your sevens and eights. And they, uh, I get more eats because of it. I spook less fish, even, I mean, even with a 14 foot leader, it's those fish are, are incredibly spooky. Um, but I use saltwater style six weights. and I say that in quotations. So, um, there's a couple of them I really like. Uh, the Scott Sector is like my, it's my baby. Mm-hmm. But um, I, uh, for line, I, right now I'm fishing a, uh, a scientific angler bonefish line, the smooth one, mm-hmm. uh, amplitude smooth, and it's a little heavy. For me, uh, it hits the water a little heavy. You're not turning over big flies, so all right, you just gotta you gotta be able to throw accurate and sometimes throw a long way. But um, the problem with carp fishing is they don't make a line for it. No, <laughs> so um, we destroy a lot of lines because the the sides of the canals are all right stucco and uh. you're dragging you're dragging these long shots you're throwing a lot of times, you know, this is perfect.
0: Uh, this is perfect, Chris, cause I, we're, we're talking working with scientific anglers on another little uh, event we're doing. So I'll, I'll definitely okay. have to, I'll hit them up and see what their plan is for the carp line. But if you had to describe to, uh, to the crew at scientific anglers, what would you, how would you change that line you're using now to make it like, what would the perfect carp line be? It would be
1: somewhere between the trout line and the infinity line um it would have a tropical coating uh so it's a hard coating because it's 112 degrees out here <laughs> and and bulletproof yeah absolutely just i don't care it just make it make it as hard of a coating as you can make it. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: yeah kind of the subtle sort of thing right you still have to have it to to land nice so that's the challenge
1: yeah and it has to be able to load a, a fast six weight too. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know anything about, I'm terrible, I'm, I, I'm not a line guru, but I would think that the way they would build it is you'd have a, a weight forward, you know, like a weight, but then on the very end, maybe whatever it is, 10 feet of it, you'd have a really nice thin transition to a thin you know, line that would like yeah. just feather out there, right? Yep.
1: But make it tropical coating.
0: But make it tropical <laughs> and, and then make it really uh, durable too. Like, I don't know how they would do that, but good. So we got a yeah. we got a call to action for us for SA on this one, but uh, so you got the line. So you basically, but you could go out there with a. I mean, you're not like necessarily having to sink this thing down. Sort of like talk about that. What's it look like the presentation for the fly?
1: Well, there's uh, it depends on on what I'm throwing at. Um, there's the when you're throwing at the commons, it's a lot like throwing at like uh, redfish or bonefish or permit. Um, it's a lot of like dragging and dropping and then making the fly kind of get away from them a little bit and they'll kind of pounce on it. Um, Sometimes it's kind of drifted directly into their nose and kind of don't give them a kind of force feed them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, But grassies, a lot of times you're throwing, uh, we're throwing dry flies for them. So, Oh wow. Yeah. It's like upstream um mending and and trying to get a a drag free drift and and things like that and having them come up eat eat and eat uh eat dry flies um we also swing to grassies like their steelhead
0: Mm, no kidding
1: yeah there's a guide out here a low water guide. gotta give him a shout out he's awesome um he's kind of playing with this whole swinging at grassies thing and it's super exciting and they smash it and you're throwing like full-on intruder-style spun deer hair head swim. Oh fly. wow! It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> God, that's great. So who is this again? His name's Low Water Guide. It's a guy named Derek Rivchin. He's he's okay. Awesome. He's awesome. Yeah,
0: Low Water Guide. That's perfect. So so yeah, we got a couple. It, actually, I mean, it sounds like common carp. You like fishing, but also the grass. The the, the kind of those are a little bit uh, are fun too. You got some cool techniques there
1: for those yeah yeah. um they're they're a ton of fun. And you go you know three days without hooking a common, and it's fun to hook you know seven or eight grassies. I mean, they get thirty forty pounds too. so yeah, it's, um there' are no slouches. Okay, this is cool.
0: Well, we're going to try to do our best today at the time we have to talk, you know, just maybe a little more generally, maybe that might be hard to do. But if somebody comes yeah. in, you know, we're talking urban carp, we've dug into a little bit, and it sounds like the feeding behaviors, maybe clarify that again. So the difference between the common carp and the grass carp, um, the feeding behaviors, what, what should somebody be bringing in their fly box if they're going out today? And so they have a chance to hit both. Could you hit both on the same day?
1: Oh, absolutely! You just gotta change flies. Okay. Um, yeah, and sometimes they'll eat the same thing. I've caught them. I've caught commons on grassy flies. I've caught grassies on common flies. It happens. But yeah, the the commons they tend to tail a little bit more, uh, like mm. uh, kind of like a redfish does. Um, and so things with you know heavy dumbbell eyes. Um, I I use a lot of tungsten eyes and stuff and get it on the bottom, um, stuff that stands straight up, like hybrid, like headstand patterns and things like Mm -hmm. that, like worms that stand straight off the bottom. Um, a lot of dragonfly nymphs and damselfly nymphs, um, that stand straight up. I like a lot of stuff like that. Oh, nice. And then grassies, they tend to eat a little more mid column or, or off the surface. Uh, they, they eat off the surface a lot. And um, they tend to be a little more, they tend to eat plants more, uh, things that blow into the canal off the trees. And uh, I think they tend to be a little more color oriented. Um, So we tie things that kind of look like flowers. Uh, I tie a bougainvillea flower that's absolutely disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, things like that. a lot of like chartreuses and bright yellows uh, stuff that they can see that sticks out. And, and then there's the, you know, there's the classic bread fly and and things like that. They all work. Yeah. They all work. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So, so if we're coming up and and do you guys do like out of the shop are you, is, is carp at a level of like guiding? I mean, are you guys doing that out of the shop
1: or what's that look like? None of us, um, there's, there's three guys that work on the floor in the shop. Um, I'm one of them and they, we don't have time to guide. Uh, we're busier than we ever thought we would be. So it's, um, it's awesome. The community here is absolutely awesome, but we partnered with all the local guides. Um, we're the only fly shop in Phoenix. Oh, wow. The only standalone fly shop in Phoenix. And, um, so it's it was easy to work with all the guides, and uh i we're friends with them too. We fish with them um so they're guiding they're guiding for uh for carp out there yep, absolutely absolutely there's a couple guys that do it and uh man they they're they have it dialed um people come in the shop and think I'm good at it, and these guys are serious <laughs> nice who who would be you want to give a shout out to somebody just in case somebody wants to find a guide yeah uh derek Derek over. Oh, at derek. Low Water. Yeah. Yeah, He's awesome. He is the, he is the carp guide.
0: So gotcha. Perfect. All right. So we got that. So let's finish up the, uh, the kind of the terminal tackle here, just so we can get people ready. So, so you got the rod, you're talking six weight and, uh, you like that Scott, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to that one you mentioned earlier. Um, what is the leader? So 14 foot. So you're going uh, fairly long leaders. How does that look?
1: Yeah. I use 12 and 14 foot 3X, uh, a lot. Um, if, I'm getting into fish and I'm getting broken off. If I'm getting into big fish, I'll go up a little bit. If I'm, if I'm at some of our smaller, like urban ponds and stuff that tend to have a little bit smaller fish, I'll, I'll go down to four X sometimes. Um, usually with commons, I'm, I'm throwing fluorocarbon, um, just because of abrasive resistance. The canals are terrible on line and leader. So,
0: yep. Right.
1: So you're going big. So you're doing and what
0: are you just grabbing a custom or a built leader out of the tapered deal out of the box and just throwing it on there?
1: Yeah. Um Trout Hunter makes a great one. Uh Umqua actually makes a pretty a pretty good ten foot uh I just add a little tippet to it. Um uh-huh. yeah, their their eight pound ten foot is uh Oh perfect. A pretty good leader. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Where do you guys uh, in the shop?
0: Uh, always curious about this uh, on flies because I haven't done this for a while. But do the flies come from um, all over the place? Do you guys tie them yourself, or where are you getting your flies?
1: Nah, they're uh, they're all from either Umpqua or Solitude or Fulling Mill. Um, we've got some Rio flies. Yeah, I've made it a point a long time ago um, when Chris asked me to tie a fly for the shop. I was like, no, I do not tie. I won't do. It. I love
0: fly tying, so... <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you,
1: man. I, I did,
0: as a well, as a younger person, I did a lot of tying for the shop. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's an easy way to get burnt out, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Fishhound Expeditions, putting together remote Alaskan wilderness float trips for that trip of a lifetime. And we just got off of one of these trips. I was out there with Nick and the crew, Adam and his team, it was amazing, we were out, we got helicoptered in, dropped into a gravel bar and had four days on the river of great camping, great fires, great chat. Uh, one of the nights we caught two huge rainbows within five feet uh, of pretty much where we had uh, our campfire on the, on the banks of the gravel bar. Uh, I can't say enough about this trip. The area, this is right in the near Denali National Park, we had Northern Lights one night, which was amazing. Um, if you haven't checked out the Alaska experience and want to get a chance at a rainbow of a lifetime, some salmon, you got to check out Adam and the crew. Uh, it was pretty fun hanging out with these boys. So right now, you can head over to webflyswingcom fishhound. That's F-I-S-H-H-O-U-N-D to get that trip of a lifetime. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to check out Adam and connect with Fishhound okay back to the show okay well well, we got the gear so we got that uh taken care of um so let's take it to the water talk about you know kind of we're heading out there to this urban what is this urban fishery take us there like paint that picture of what that looks like
1: okay um it can be really nice and it can be really not um i prefer some of the spots that are really not nice um there is it's a big city, so we do have a a, a pretty large homeless population, and um, they also recreate on the canals um, and live there. Oh wow! And they're catching fish. Sometimes uh, I get asked all the time if I'm going to if I'm going to eat that every time I catch a carp. Oh wow! Yeah. When,
0: what, now now what do you what do you tell them? Because is is that a are people uh, is it a problem if you're if you're keeping uh, killing carp?
1: Yes, um it, they are sterile and SRP owns them. So oh, wow. It, it is catch and release. Um and it, it's a law, it's an actual law. Um you can keep common carp if you want. I I just I use the excuse every time. Oh yeah, the SRP owns them. You have to yeah. release them. Yeah, yeah. That's the, what I just say. Right. Are they is
0: there any um you know, conservation type of uh, issues there where you're you really need more fish or like I have no idea, right? What does that look like on carp? absolutely not
1: there's plenty of them yeah there's lots of carp yeah they're doing well um and SRP feels like they need more fish than we do um they just put another 30,000 fish in there this year or something 30 or 40,000 fish so yeah this is this is interesting this is definitely a different fishery so so Mm you so you have these fish
0: out there and and so take us to the water what what are we looking like how are you setting
1: up to find carp and and target them um the biggest thing is just finding somewhere to park. Um you find you find a place to park and you just like carp carp fishing is moving. Um every time I carp fish I walk about 7 miles. Um Wow. You're you're constantly the more water you can cover the more successful you'll be. You don't get a lot of shots at these fish and if they refuse a fly once they're going to refuse it all day long. Um they, so finding new fish is important and finding fish that, that are feeding. Um, so yeah, you find a spot to park and you just walk and, and look for fish. Right. So you're walking and looking and then, and what do you, you're just looking for fish. So once you find a fish, what what's the next step? Well, I throw at everything. Um, personally, I, if I think it may have thought about feeding in the last hour, I I'll throw at it. Um, at least for a cast or two, you know, and usually that's all you get. Uh, so it's worth it just to kind of try to get a fly in front of them. And then you're 99 times out of 100, you're going to blow that fish out or it's just going to refuse a fly. And mm-hmm. then you just you go throw out a bunch of them until you find one that doesn't. There you go. So it's a numbers game. Yeah, absolutely
0: a numbers game. What is the uh, timing if you just look throughout the year? Is there
1: any time better or worse to, to be looking for carp? <laughs> um when it's 112 degrees so that's better like, yeah um July 7th at noon it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's the worst day of the year they um they like it hot yeah. yeah they'll they'll come up in the in the column and bask in the sun and things like that um yeah they they like the the weather hot they like the water hot but you know i had some of my best I had some of my best carp fishing this year in the spring when they were actually running water. Cause there was a bunch of, bunch of food in the water. Um, so they were just very willing to eat and people kind of slow down on them over the winter. They do slow down in the winter a little bit when it gets cooler. Yeah. Like in the middle of January, but it's, you can still catch them. You can't see.
0: So, so pretty much year round. And and what is the winter? What's the, uh, what's the cold time there in Phoenix? Uh, january but it's 70 it's still 70 so it's like, yeah. still so 70 is a
1: cold yeah. and you love that is that just you know the 112 or are you just loving the the hot weather i do i i complain about it sometimes I'm like man this is hot but it's uh i like can go outside and actually physically do things and um there's not two and a half feet of snow on the ground and everything's yep. frozen so yeah yeah it's it's not bad no no, so today
0: we're kind of in mid September. Um, it's what's it looking like? What's what's the high today?
1: Uh, highs, highs. I think mid nineties. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it didn't break a hundred yesterday uh, for the first time in like eighteen days or something like that. Um, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's not. It wasn't bad yesterday. It's been a really wet summer here. Uh, we've actually had a lot of rain. So it's been different. Water's been high and muddy. Oh, it has. Yeah. Does that affect when you get color in the water? How does that affect the carp fishing? You can't see them. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and it's all sight fishing. Um, that's kind of where the swinging thing kind of came in. Um, just kind of being able to see shadows and swinging it over top of shadows. And they'll they'll come up and and kind of whack it if it's big enough and loud enough. No kidding. So
0: you got to, let's talk about the techniques there. You've got, you mentioned, um, well, we're talking about targeting, hitting, uh, like you said, you might throw a little nymph or something like that to some of these fish. Uh, Then you also might have the dry fly. And then you've also got these big flies. Is that, you know,
1: for swinging? Have you done a little bit of that or is that just something? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, if I'm fishing grassies, if I'm going to fish grass carp now, that's, I'm going to swing to them uh, because it's just, they like. I, I grew up on the East coast and we didn't have steelhead or anything like that. I actually didn't trout fish much at all growing up. I I might've trout fished like three times in my life. Uh, so I didn't swinging was just kind of, it, it's a foreign concept to me and a fish hitting a swung fly is a ton of fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they <wall> up it.
0: <laughs> it is. So let's describe this. Cause we got a bunch of, you. I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about swinging flies here on this show, but um you know, what does that look like? So you're swinging it down. Are these fish just, Are they're either hammering it or they're not, or are they,
1: are they kind of like playing with it at all? They'll, um, they'll come up and kind of, grass carp are, they're kind of curious um, and frustrating. Like they'll put their nose on a dry fly and never open their mouth and things like that, like push it across the top of the water. And so they'll... Get up behind the bolt off and, and chase it down this swung fly, and get right up on it, and then refuse it. Wow! <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but it's fun to see them like move really fast. And I mean, they're these big fish. They're, they're you know, fifteen pounds, and and scooting across the canal. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: Wow. So describe that. Let's dig into a little more on the swing, just so we, we get that. So, and on the, you're using a, a different setup for your, your line or, or just bigger flies, heavier flies?
1: I'm just using a little bit, a little bit bigger flies, um, stuff that moves, uh, I've been tying them intruder style, um, because this grass carp will come and it just grab the tail. So, uh, we're moving hooks back and, uh, and my, I throw legs on them, and um, spun deer her head. I think it pushes a little bit of water and just kind of gets their attention from a little bit further away. Yep. Um, yep. So like a a muddler would probably be a good pattern to use out there. Yeah, something with a little flowier tail. I, I yeah. use a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of bucktail and, and craft fur. Uh, bucktail underneath craft fur. To just kind of give it like a little bit of a flutter behind that behind that deer hair, and it seems to work really well. But I've also swung. I use a lot of this stuff. It's F chewing gum worm, and it's a material out of the UK somewhere. They're still water guys, and uh, that's swinging. That stuff is it, it works too. <laughs> so, mm. Yeah. Now, now, what is this stuff? This F Yeah, it's called chewing gum worm. It's um, like. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a chenille. It, it's like a weird, like rubbery, oh. like chenille that kind of wants to float, but oh wow, it, it kind of just wiggles and it's 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 awesome stuff. Oh it wow, is awesome stuff. Yeah, it sounds like the
0: almost like the rubber worm, like you would tie in like a, a lure, right? A oh worm. yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. It is absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> kind of that. cheating. <laughs>
0: Gotcha. So, so you're swinging out. So you're tying some of these things. You want to move some water, get some interest. And when these on the swing, when the carp come up, they still do the same thing. They might come up and look at it, play with it. Are you are you having a situation where you're trying to really slow down your swing and having that sort of thing? And uh, you know, how are you how are you getting this thing to the right depth and right so the fish take? Like Describe the
1: take. Yeah, they um. So some of them will just come up and wallop it no matter what. Some of them you have to kind of like like kind of throw a quick mend and and feed it to them. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them, you have to like kind of swing it underneath of them and pick it up, like make it start it swing like right at them to get them to eat it. Uh, they're just kind of, they're all kind of different. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, swinging to the same fish a couple times, a few times and uh, then finally getting it to eat is not uncommon. Okay, so you could do it. so. That's the difference is that if you got
0: a if you're swinging, you're gonna stick on that fish and give it a few shots. Yeah, until it
1: it just has enough of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll spook.
0: They'll, they'll let spook.
1: You know.
0: Yep. And what are they doing when they're in? it? When these carp, the you know, they're sitting down. They're obviously eating whatever vegetation. But they're are they kind of holding and do they have their little spot? I mean, this is we're talking a canal, so it's not like there's a lot of um, uh, like uh, you know, rocks and substrate right mm-hmm. under there.
1: Oh, you'd be surprised. Hmm. Um, yeah, like shopping carts and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's all cover. Uh, I caught this tailing common one time. It was tailing behind a toilet. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they're That's sweet. A lot of a lot of uh, electric scooters and stuff in the water. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it depends on the water flow. Um, Sometimes if, if the water's flowing pretty good, they'll get behind things, uh, just to make it easier on themselves. But a lot of times we don't, sometimes in some of these canal sections, there's not much flow at all. Hmm. So it's almost like still water and it's just kind of random. They'll just be there. It'll oh, gotcha. See. Yeah. Yes. And most of those fish are dry fly fish.
0: Yeah. And dry fly fish. Okay. So if it's slow, like lake reservoir type thing, then you can get some of those grass, grassies on, on drys. Yeah,
1: that the, there's sections of the canal where it gets deep and slow, and um, those fish, those fish are your dry fly fish.
0: Perfect. And this water, just I'm just kind of curious about this. This water is these are the canals with the energy company. Uh, where's this water coming from?
1: Um, it's actually coming off of Mount Baldy, out all the way out in the White Mountains. Um, it's about four hours east of us, uh, where the Apache reservation and stuff is, which mm-hmm. is where our best trout fishing in the state is. Um, and we do actually have pretty we have pretty good trout fishing here in Arizona that people don't really know about. Um, yeah, got a couple of species that you can't find anywhere else. What do you guys have? What are the trout species there? Um, we've got well, we have we have eight uh, all together. altogether. Um, we've got Arctic grayling and seven trout, um, or we've got brookies, browns, rainbows, tigers. Uh, Apache trout is our state oh, yeah. fish and then, uh, we've got Gila's and, uh, Bonneville cuts.
0: Oh, in Bonneville. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. And I don't think I missed any. <laughs> no,
0: that's good. Yeah. That's the amazing thing about the, I think just like today we're talking about carp, but the, you know, all around the country you got, I mean, you could probably go to any state and kind of look at the same thing, right? Have a, a good diverse selection, uh, you know, of trout or, or of different species. So, well, let, let's keep on the carp, uh, a little more here. I just want to make sure we cover it. If somebody, so we were talking, I mean, the canal, the canal sounds like it's pretty straightforward. You get out there, you hike until you find fish or you walk until you find fish. And when you do, you just present your fly. What, what's the presentation? you got to be kind of, how do you do a a subtle presentation so you don't spook the fish?
1: Um, I, I personally, um, I like dragging it into them rather than casting it at them. Um, and there's the other thing, too. Sometimes they like the splash. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, if there's, like, mesquite pods falling off the trees or something like that, um, sometimes throwing it, like, dead at them, like, throwing a missile at them is uh, is the best way to go. <laughs> it, they're just, they're weird fish, and you never know what you're getting into. And that's kind of why I love them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, gotcha. Okay, so so keep a open mind here. It's not like what we're talking about is not one size fits all. You could, all sorts of things could work for these fish.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Okay, good, good. So, um, well, any I mean, before we kind of move off to, of the urban, uh, you know, anything else you want to throw out there that would help somebody? Let's just say they're picking this up right now and we want to, they're, you know, out there in Phoenix and they want to go out and do it. What else would you tell somebody
1: before they head out on the water? Practice casting. Um, oh, yeah. Be accurate. That's it. That's that's just kind of what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, be accurate with your first shot, and you'll you'll be successful.
0: Yep. Well, what's your best tip on getting
1: accurate with casting? How how would somebody do that? I personally, for me, I'm only accurate when I'm throwing at fish. I I can't go throw at a hole of hoop in the in the yep. yard. I just can't do it. Um. It. But if there's a, a tailing carp out there it's getting hit (laughs) (laughs) it forces
0: you so get on so basically get on the water don't don't waste time yeah just get on just fish
1: yeah just get out there and fish
0: yeah yeah how did you you know you're casting i I go back now right 13 year Mm -hmm. old and you got into fly fishing there did you teach yourself the whole time or have you ever kind of taken a lesson or what's that look like
1: i um i was self-taught like almost completely um with the odd like fishing with some like running into somebody else fly fishing mm-hmm. type, type deal um until the shop opened and um i've gotten better at casting in the past year and a half than i have in the first yeah. like <laughs> 16 that i was casting exactly so, yep.
0: yeah that's uh so you would recommend uh probably getting a lesson right
1: oh absolutely and yeah. it just makes your life better like you you have more fun fly fishing It. Yeah. yeah yeah so. yeah yeah
0: Yeah. That's the, you know, that is a good take home. It's always the take home, right? The guiding. And we're going up, you know, we're heading up to Alaska on a cool trip here this week. And, you know, same thing. It's like, we're going to, you mentioned it kind of when you mentioned splashing it, we're going to be mousing for rainbows. Right. And I've, you know, this is like my first time doing it. So it's pretty awesome to think like, okay, boom. But you know, yeah. But it's kind of like a guided thing, right? So it's yeah, going to yeah. help. And not that you have to do that. But again, if if you want to get better at something, um, probably a casting lesson is a, definitely a good place to start.
1: A casting lesson and a guide trip will knock years off of your learning curve. Yeah. It just will. Yeah, yeah
0: okay cool well what about these other places so we mentioned so we got the urban fishing uh, we touched on that you said there's these couple other areas you've got like the lakes and the rivers do those does that look totally different as far as the how you're fishing for the fish and finding them?
1: yeah um, it, it does uh, so the the river um, the salt River it dumps into comes kind of down past Mount Baldy and and things and and kind of dumps into the city. So it's our first, like, it's a tailwater, and it's right outside of the city. It's, at, at, I think it's, like, 40 minutes outside of the city. Um, and there there's there's carp in there. Um, they get a little more picky, um, and they're bigger and stronger. They're just big. Everything yeah. in, in the lakes, out like, outside of the city is just a lot stronger. We throw eight weights at them and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, they have places to go. Uh, and then they use the same kind of basic flies, but uh it's it's just a little tougher and then the big lakes um got buddy with a a flats boat and he pulls around and you throw at them like they're they're bonefish or or redfish oh
0: nice, nice, so that's the lake yeah, and that we talked about that just before we getting started here that yeah. we had an episode a while back, um and I kind of looked it up it was uh it was Kevin Morlock Beaver Island the way wait, wait 102 right we were we're a long time ago so that's cool i'll put a link into that episode 102 Kevin Morlock talked about that but um so so describe that if i it, can it's a similar deal right you're out on a lake with a boat um
1: this is compare that to you know describe what you guys are doing there um it's you're you're just kind of uh, you're polling around looking for for tailing fish um it's kind of like flats fishing it's a it's kind of that same same kind of deal you know and a lot of our lakes out here are crystal clear like crystal clear so uh you can see them from a long way away and 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 things like that it's cool you get to make a lot of a lot of long shots at them i i really like it And, and is that a little bit obviously you have to have a boat so that takes a little bit more of a
0: another piece of equipment there yeah and then you have the rivers. What? what's So it sounds like you like all three. Is there? Is there one that you? You know, like if you had to choose any day, what? What are you going
1: for? The urban stuff holds a, a real special place uh, for me. It's close. Um, it's accessible to everybody. You yeah. know, um, like I have access to a lot of a lot of this stuff. Um, some of my friends don't. You know, so it's it's a, uh, cool to be able to get out and 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 catch these big fish right here. And they're 10 minutes from, from our house. And then you stop and get happy hour and it's a, a whole thing. Like it's right. Great. Yeah. Right. That is awesome. So, yeah. and, and do you
0: think urban, I mean, you know, carp fishing around the country, there's probably, I mean, I'm not sure if you know, but it, it would, I would assume that this is pretty much all around, right? You can find a lot of places find the similar situation,
1: especially in the desert West. Absolutely. And I, I mean, everywhere Um there, like you were saying earlier if there's water there carp have gotten there um so there's every urban pond probably in America has a couple of them you know mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah so it's it's kind of it's kind of possible everywhere i mean i know the guys out there are are crushing it in the la river and yeah. things like that so there you go so i've talked to a couple of those guys and it's it's cool stuff it's really cool stuff. A
0: similar deal. Yeah, so the carp uh, all these years has gotten a bad rap, uh, you know, but now people are realizing that, uh, you know, how cool it is to fish, how it's almost, right, like saltwater species. What, what do you think it is on, on the bad rap? Why why is it just uh,
1: people just were uneducated? Is that kind of what it comes down to? You know, I, um, I think it has something to do with them being looked or fish being looked at as just food for a long time. It wasn't, um, it wasn't looked at as fishing. Wasn't looked at as a sport until fairly recently, like in the grand scheme of things. And, um, I, I think it had had something to do with that, whether carp actually tastes good or not. That's debatable. I've never personally eaten it. I don't really plan to. Um, I also don't really like freshwater fish at all. Uh, but yeah it's I don't know I, I don't know what it is um, I think I think a, some stuff uh, some bad rap comes from like bass fishing and and uh, the whole tournament bass world oh yeah and um, and that that whole thing uh, and people people just don't know. Um, like nine times out of 10, there's a couple of guys that are like, Oh, they've gone and caught a carp and they're like, Oh, that's, that was okay. Uh, I'm going to go back to fishing trout. That doesn't happen very often.
0: No. Right. So you're saying if somebody has never done carp and they try it and they get a fish that they're not, they're not saying "Oh, that was ho-hum. It's different than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, they work for it. It's, you know, fly fishermen and women are kind of, it's like the challenge is what we, we look for anyway. Yeah. That's why we're not throwing bait casters. That's right. (laughs) Um, that's right. It's, uh, it's uh, and it is, it is a challenge. It's a, it's a very challenging fish. Um, I've taken a lot of people out and just a lot of very, very, very good anglers and, and, uh, just watch them blank. Uh, Yeah. It's just, it's tough. Uh, so when you first, when you land that first one, it, it it means something it's cool that is cool and it is interesting because you guys have trout fishing
0: too and you do a little bit of the the trout fishing
1: uh out in your neck of the woods yeah absolutely um i, I do a fair amount of it um enough to that i can talk about it in the shop and stuff yeah um try to it, trout don't excite me very much uh super rare trout do but um it, that's I, I don't know they're they're cool
0: Today's episode is sponsored by Bear Vault, keeping wild adventure going and ensuring your next backcountry trip stays memorable, epic, and safe. Bear Vault builds a rugged polycarbonate locking canister that keeps bears and other critters out of your out of your food and your stuff. This keeps you safe, keeps the bears safe, and keeps everyone safe. Uh, I've got, had plenty of bear encounters. In fact, on my way home from the trip. Um, I ran into a bear right in the middle of the road. It was actually one of the biggest black bears I've ever seen just driving down the highway. Um, didn't really need the bear vault at that uh, situation, but just reminds you that these bears are everywhere. And even hiking for a day hike, whatever it is, if you've got food and you don't wanna uh, potentially get messed with, especially if you're in some of these high-trafficked areas with bears, national parks, all these places, The bear vault is pretty much uh, the hard storage container is what you need and is what everybody's going towards now. Uh, The hanging up in the tree, uh, if you're on a trail, that's not good enough anymore. So you got to get a bear vault to keep your stuff secure. Be the guy that has the epic trip, not the guy who has to hike out early because of poor proper food storage. Check out bear vault right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash bear vault B-E-A-R-V-A-U-L-T, to support this podcast and a great company doing amazing things. Okay, back to the show. Are there other species out there other than carp that are kind of not the Salmonids, but other fish
1: that are in your area there? Absolutely. Um, I also sucker fish a lot. Oh, cool. Um, especially like the... the the salt river has, um, a species of sucker fish It's the Sonora sucker. Um, they, you can only find them here in the Southwest and they get really big. They get really big. Um, it, you know, 25 inches wow. and things like that. And, uh, they, they'll show you your backing, not in a hurry too. Uh, <laughs> but they, um, they're kind of like less picky carp. Um, they'll eat a little bit more of a wide range of things and, and stuff like that. And, uh, we can, we fish for them when the, they drop the flows for the winter in, in the salt river Mm. and, uh, yeah, they're, they're a ton of fun. They're a ton of fun. Right. And these are sucker, are these, I wonder, are these like large scale suckers or, or well, you said they're the Sonora, it's probably similar to a large scale, maybe. They're, um, kind of like, um, Kind of like a, a red horse or something, I guess. Um, they're just kind of they're yeah. brown and yellow. They're they're cool. <laughs>
0: oh wow, wow, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think the suckers and and are there. We'll probably have to leave some of this to a, you know another time. But uh, are, yeah. name a few. Are there any other species that you'd highlight here? Just as the non salmonids
1: that are out there. Yeah, um, tilapia are it's insanely difficult to get to eat flies. Uh, oh, wow. We've got. I caught a, ta- a tiger Oscar cichlid out of the canal the other day. <laughs> um, I, I bass fish a lot too. Um, I, I like I like catching largemouth and, uh-huh. and things. Um, uh, catfish. Um, oh, yeah. I've got a buddy that has been trying to catch a, a like twenty five pound plus flathead catfish for on a 10 weight for a little while now. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) It's a lot of casting and not a lot of catching. (laughs) Yeah. You mean like uh, the the same fish or just that size of fish? Just a, just a, like a 25 pound class.
0: Yeah. 25 pound class. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. wow, This is cool. Yeah. So you guys are, I mean, it's obviously a little different, um, but the cool thing is that you do, you know, for people that want it, there are some trout opportunities, but it sounds like, I mean, the diversity of the warm water stuff is, is kind of in a different way than say other parts of the country is where it's at for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's close and honestly carp pull harder than trout do. They just do. <laughs> They're stronger. So yeah. How do you, when they pull,
0: um, is this a,
1: like a strip set or how, how are you getting the hook in their mouth? I, I kind of strip set naturally. Um, it's just, how I kind of always set, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like any, any flats fishing, you kind of get tight and then, you know, keep pressure. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, feel like we've done a, you know, a decent job just kind of, uh, giving a little intro to this. Um, I did have a couple of more things I wanted to touch base on, um, you know, but, uh, But talk about that before we kind of leave uh, some of the carp here.
1: Any other um, any other items you want to add uh, to somebody who maybe is kind of new to it? So carp fishing with carp fishing, just because you're not catching fish does not mean you're not you're doing anything wrong. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Sometimes they're just not eating. I I tell people this all the time. Uh, You could have make a perfect cast and have the perfect fly. And that carp's still only going to eat about 30 percent of the time. So yeah. it's, it's a numbers game. Go find fish that will eat.
0: There you go. So like you said, at the start could keep moving and find fish. And, and it reminds us again on a fly. If you're going to, you had a box and you're going to pick a couple of flies for the day. What, what are the two? Is there, are there any name flies or is this just all stuff you're creating?
1: Um, I fish kind of solely with, with stuff that I tie. Uh, but there are some good ones. The carpalicious is, is a pretty good fly. Any kind of really like headstand pattern. Yeah. Um, I don't go anywhere without, without black and brown woolly buggers. Um, I like, I think I have them on me right now. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You love the woolly bugger. Yeah. It's a good pattern for probably for a lot of these species you talked about. Anything
0: that swims. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is it, is
0: it, is the woolly bugger? is, Is that the, is that the number one? Is that the best fly out there?
1: I think it's the best all around fly out there for sure. Um, I don't know. Worm hybrid patterns are really, really great for carp though. Okay. Gotcha absolutely. What is the, um, so for you, uh, you know, the,
0: the bear trap, I'm not even sure Mm -hmm. is that like, talk about that. I I didn't (laughs) do my, my research
1: there, but is there, is there any background there? They, uh, it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's the nickname they gave me when I like kind of came into the shop. There's, we, there's a abundance of Chris's in the shop. So, um, the owner, Chris started calling me by my my Instagram handle. Cause that's where I kind of started talking to him uh-huh. uh, first. It was through Instagram. So he just started calling me bear trap and it kind of just stuck. Oh, and it stuck. Yeah.
0: And I caught, I caught a video of you too. This might've been early on, but he kind of, you guys were talking on one of the videos there and it was, you're kind of talking about, he was mentioning just the passion of you, you know, like you're, uh, you know, who you are, like, talk about that. What? What is that? Where does that come from? What, what's your, you know, you've been around fishing for a while, but do you mm-hmm. feel like that's fairly unique how into this you are?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I know a lot of guys that are crazy about fly fishing. I know a lot of girls that are f- crazy about fly fishing. Um, there's just a lot of people that are crazy about this sport. Uh, I think it's easy to get to be like kind of obsessive about it.
0: Yeah. Why is Why is that over, say, anything else right
1: like pick whatever like uh i I think it's the community i really really do i i think it's because of the people that that fly fish and it's a cool group of people to to be a part of it like everybody's interesting and and like it's just it's a cool group of people um i I think that's what it is people feel at home in fly fish
0: right When you see people coming into the shop, you know, the old joke was, you know, kind of the old white guy, right? The old uh, whatever. But when you guys at the shop there, do you see a good diverse uh, diversity of people coming in?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It's Phoenix in general is is a pretty diverse place. So, um, I mean, we've got almost 7 million people in this city. So it's uh, it's we see. I mean, literally, all walks of life, and it's a, it's a ton of fun. Um, the The crowd out here is getting younger um, quickly, very quickly. Uh, there's a gap. There's like a gap between like twenty year olds fishing and and forty year olds fishing. <laughs> hmm. yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, and I think there it's because the there wasn't a really like interactive fly shop for, for a long time out here, um, in the valley. So yep. it, it created this like gap and, uh, it's, we're starting, I can see it starting to fill now. Um, I host a fly tying night every Thursday night and it's, there's always 15 people here and I mean, it's all different. It's awesome. Oh, wow. That was cool. Yeah. So you, so you actually have people coming in the shop, uh,
0: and you're doing in person uh, you also see so you're still doing some stuff online.
1: Um, I'm not doing much online. Uh, we, we were going to, we were going to cast it and, and like kind of video it and everything, but it's glorified beer drinking and right. we don't like to watch what we, what we say and things like that. We yeah. don't think about any of that. So nope. it's kind of like, you know, it's open to anybody. It's free. You can come in and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. i yeah.
0: I love that. The thing about the fly shop is that all fly shop, you know, are they're unique. they're everybody's different and stuff. But I remember that. I grew up around a fly shop, and I remember as I got into like high school, Where I was old enough to, you know, to drink, right, or not even old, I guess, even before, right? But (laughs) drinking the beverages, we would go in there before our trips, and like late at night, we would just go Mm -hmm. in there. We'd be in there freaking two in the morning, tying Mm -hmm. flies, getting ready for the leaving the next day for the trip, and and drink, right, doing the whole thing. And it was like that was our party, which is kind of cool to think, right? Because there is a lot of like bad stuff you could do to get in trouble as a kid. Absolutely, um, and so I always think I look back and then be like, you know what, that was pretty cool to have that, right? And and what you're describing is a similar, right? It's all different, but a similar deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we we have um, there's a there's a kid that fishes out here, and I met him on the or I met him at one of the urban ponds, and he uh, fishes for Team USA. Uh, he's a, their youth team. Oh yeah, uh, his name's Henry. He's awesome. He's a little boss two hauler on on Instagram. He's, okay great kid and he has like he's kind of collaborated this group of like 15 year old kids and um they go out and carp fish and they slay and it's awesome they're they're cool and they're they come in and they're loud and it's it's just cool. it's cool to have like them talking about fishing with like some 60 year old guy right (laughs) it's cool to watch
0: right that is very cool man i love that That's awesome. So it sounds like the shop, you guys are, you guys are having a good time in there. And are you seeing the, uh, as, as the shop, it's a year and a half, two years, it's fairly new shop, but you're seeing some like good growth and it's kind of, you're seeing that
1: happen in front of you. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm still getting, we still get as many new people today as we did in our, our fourth month of business, fifth month of business. Um, it's, it, yeah, it hasn't really died off, uh, more people are moving to Phoenix every day and more people are just are getting excited about fly fishing in general. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. What's your guys'
0: focus? So as you look out, you know, we're, uh, you know, mid whatever you go, well, we're looking out at two twenty you know, 23 coming up here in a while. Uh, you know, as you guys look out, what do you, for the shop, you know, what are you guys going to be? Do you look out at say over the next year and think about what you're going to be doing or, or are you thinking more, not quite that far out?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I know we're going to be doing events. Um, we one of our favorite things in the world is to raise money for local charities, um, mm-hmm. and we've we've kind of given the platform for our local community this this year, this past year, in our first year. We I think we raised almost thirty thousand dollars for local wow. charities. Um, the vendors love it too. Like uh, we're doing a carp rally here in two weeks hmm. um yeah it's if anybody wants to come out and fish it <laughs> like, yeah come, come do it uh, it's the benefit wildlife for tomorrow it's uh and um like abel gave us a reel to raffle off scott gave us a rod ross gave us a reel it's it's super super cool and then we've got uh we got a bunch of stuff for the winners and like uh guide trips and stays at these ranches and all kinds of stuff like it's it's a blast and uh oh wow you know four or five hundred people will show up uh to some of our events and it's fun just watching everybody just packed into this building and laughing and enjoying like being around each other yeah so you have a so this event will be this uh, this carp rally will be actually at the fly shop yeah, the the awards and everything, um, so it's a one-day event. People co- show up here Friday morning. They pick up their landing mat. Um, all photos have to be taken on the landing mat, um, all that good stuff. Uh, Got to take care of the fish.
0: Yeah, describe that again. Now, what, what are
1: you talking about, the landing? Describe it's, that a little more. It's basically a yoga mat that you get wet, and you can lay the fish on it, so you're not rolling them in the dirt and things like that. Um, they are SRP's fish, so... Uh, we we want want them to go back and and keep cleaning the canals and yeah we get a chance to catch them again, um, so yeah it's a just a basically a yoga mat it's got like a measuring tape kind of laser etched into it and our logo and low waters logo it's it's cool mm.
0: yeah yeah so so that's a that's a something yeah a a, a a tool you don't hear that much about but that's for carp or any really probably any species you want to keep from getting whacked on the the concrete
1: or whatever, getting scraped up. That's what you got it for. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no real good way to take a picture of a big carp. No. Yeah. How do you do that? That, That's a good, you know,
0: and I want to finish up this thought too, but this you know, popped in my head as far as the landing them. Right. So you're playing a fish for a while Uh and you're in a canal too. So how, Uh how, how do you, what's the trick there on landing the fish?
1: So every about 70 to 80 yards, there is a ladder that goes down the wall of the canal and you, you walk it to one of those ladders and climb down the ladder and stand on the bottom rung of the ladder, try not to fall in and try to net the fish. And most of the fish we catch, we just don't take pictures of because it's just too difficult. Too much. Right. Yeah. Right. So this canal, and I'd
0: imagine this canal is a little dangerous if you were to fall in.
1: It's, it's not very deep. Um, it's, it's disgusting. It is oh. Not, it, it's gross. Um, it's gross. Yeah. Yeah, the water's pretty bad. <laughs> and the water's bad because it's a uh, I'm trying to picture
0: this again, right? It's a canal that's used for drinking water, right? I'm I'm assuming.
1: Um it is I think it's mostly irrigation water. Mm. Yeah. Right. So you've got all sorts So yeah, you got all sorts of stuff going on in there. Oh yeah. It's I mean it runs through the, one of the largest cities in America. Yeah. So. yeah. Right, right. So, yep. Yeah, so it's everything. It's kind of rough. Yeah. There you
0: go. So you definitely, like we said, you, maybe if you're hopeless, you don't care, but yeah, you're not, you're not eating. You definitely wouldn't want to eat these things anyways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, so back to the yoga mat. So in talking about this event, I just want to hear quickly about this event and then we'll kind of take it out of here. So how do you come up? So this idea of the event, it sounds like a pretty massive uh, thing you got going. Um, well, to describe it a little more, so so you guys are gonna, it's a you're you know getting some money going on for some local charity, some local mm-hmm. uh, groups, um, yeah, and then you're giving away a bunch of products through the 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 spot the brands, you know the big brands that are there. And what's yep. that look like the day of the event?
1: We'll we'll get here early. We'll start setting up and everything. Uh, we'll have a barbecue. Uh, we do a lot to support casting for recovery as well. Um, and they'll come out and they'll set up their, they, they love hanging out with us. So they, they'll come out, they'll set up a barbecue, uh, take donations and all that stuff for, for them. Um, you know, we'll do kind of swag giveaways all day, uh, kind of just like, you know, calling people's names out and people just kind of come hang out. We usually have some games for kids. Uh, we do cornhole and, mm-hmm. and things like that. It's just kind of like a, a hangout and, uh, a good time for people to to meet other people and um we put we'll put a couple things on sale and then just hang out and then give away and then you give away and then you guys kind of raffle off like the
0: like the rod and stuff or the people kind of yep. raffling that off that sort of thing
1: yep absolutely yep. absolutely draw draw tickets and and uh and yeah give give some rods away Nice. Okay. So that, that's it. that sounds cool. And so you guys are going to be doing looking
0: ahead now the next, say, whatever this year, next year, you're going to be doing some more of that type of stuff.
1: Absolutely. We do, um, we do a, a spring fling. We're going to do a spring fling every year. Um, and any event that we, we do, we use it as an excuse to raise money for charity. Um, any of them, we just, there's always some charitable organization tied to them. Um, yeah. it's kind of just what we like to do. So, yes. <laughs> But uh, we uh, we do a spring fling. We do a, we call it Winston days. Uh, so our Winston rep comes out and we have like a, a Saturday of throwing all kinds of Winston rods and, and uh, you know, the history and stuff behind that. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll do a, Probably a couple other things and it's kind of, we're kind of on the fly. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's great. Yeah. That's it. You're trying stuff, right? You're seeing, because
0: not all of it's going to work perfectly, but you'll probably find some events that maybe resonate more with people, right? Than others. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I, I think, uh, I feel like we've, uh, we've definitely touched on it here today. I think that, uh, it, it's given people an intro, uh, you know, to it and it sounds like it's pretty awesome. I mean, the, the, you know, Phoenix is always, I always think of it, you know, like, wow, it's this crazy hot place, which it is, but mm-hmm. it also, you've painted a picture of a, a really cool, like a lot of resources out there, like in the city, which I'll
1: bet you a lot of people don't realize, right? Absolutely. I, I, get, question, I get asked all the time. It, one thing that gets said to me a lot um, people see me fly fishing the canal and they're like, oh, you're fly fishing. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, there's no trout in here. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah No trout. It's, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, pa- we're past that. I think, I think the trout, I
0: think again, going back to that diversity, I think it ties in maybe to the younger stuff too, is that the old trout fishing, you know, it's like the old white guy. It's like, we're, we're past that, you know, fly fishing is about like, I think the more diverse the fishing, <laughs> the more diverse the people, right. All that stuff. It's like, we're in a better place.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, it pushed the sport. Like, yeah, it's just kind of what it is. It breeds innovation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are in one of those really unique places, you know, that has, um, you know, like you described today and some of this other cool stuff. So, well, we'll send everybody out, uh, today, uh, to, uh, the azflyshop.com. I did want to touch one thing, and this is kind of actually a a little bit of a sad, I don't want to leave it on a sad note, but you mentioned the homeless thing. And that is a little bit of an issue around, uh, you know, the country, in different Absolutely. cities. Um yeah, I mean, do you guys see like you're out there fishing? That's something that's just part of the um part of the 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 cityscape, right? You're you're seeing that kind of everywhere. Is it is it feel like to you it's a major
1: a uh, major problem? Absolutely. Um and one of like one of the number one causes of homelessness here in Arizona is actually kids aging out of foster care. Oh uh, wow. It, which is extremely sad. It takes oh, I didn't a sec- know that and makes it even worse um we uh we donate a lot of money every year to uh the homeless id project and it just helps it helps the homeless get an identification so they can do things like get a place to live and get a job and things like that um and it it's it's an organization that's really really special to us um just because we see it, I'm out there fishing these, these canals and I see it every, every single Mm -hmm. day. Um, so it's, uh, if, if you've got a homeless ID project in your city, uh, yeah, it's a great organization. So I'm glad, I'm glad we talked about that because yeah, we have a
0: major issue here too. And I'm definitely going to, I'll look into that. That'd be a cool group. It sounds like if they're out there to support, Mm -hmm. um, nice. Well, yeah, that's good. I think that's actually a positive note, uh, that you yep. guys are, you know, you're doing, and it sounds like you're doing a lot of good work in the community, which is great to hear. Um, well, we'll send, you know, whoever is listening here, uh, azflyshop.com, what we'll send them, like I said, out there to connect with you and, and, uh, and re- remind me who's uh, running the show at the shop there.
1: Um, I, I'm managing the shop. Uh, guy named Chris Rich is, uh, he owns it with a, with a partner and, um, He's a very involved person. He's the other guy in all the videos and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's so, him. Yep. That's Chris. That's the other Chris. He's that guy. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's pretty passionate,
0: too. I, oh, I, yeah. can, I can tell.
1: Absolutely. He's a blast to fish with, too.
0: Good, good. Yep. All right, Chris. Well, thanks again for all the time today. I definitely love, uh, you know, the, where our conversation went. And I think we're going to have a follow-up, have to get a follow-up with you guys, because uh, I think there's some more we could dig into, maybe on some other species down the line. So, yeah, thanks for all the time today.
1: Absolutely. Come out and fish.
0: So there it is. Wetflyswing.com slash 371. If you want to check out uh, anything we talked about today, including videos, links, uh, that's the easy way. Just click over there and that'll redirect you over to the blog. Uh, You can get that along with our transcript. Uh, A quick reminder, I want to let you know we just wrapped up the Steelhead School and we filled all the slots for uh, not only wrapping up the giveaway, but the paid slots this year. If you're still interested, though, we're probably most likely doing this next year. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash steelheadschool, and that'll give you a chance. You can just add your name, and we'll keep you in the loop for next year. Our listener shout-out is a special one. Nick Torres, my brother from another mother uh, at LAMPS, and Nick and I recently got out with Fishhound Expeditions up to that Alaska trip. Um, I just I mentioned it earlier, but it was pretty much about as good as it gets. Uh, caught some big fish, caught some salmon, just had a good time on the river. And Nick has some good stuff going. They have a new line of rods out with Lampson. Uh, check them out right now if you want to see what they have. Not only do they have the lightest reel in the game, but they got some kill rods to go with it. Um, and let Nick know you heard about him uh, from this podcast. I'm going to put a link out, wetflyswing.com slash Lampson would love to hear from you if you get a chance. If you've been listening to this show and haven't checked in with me yet, you can send me an email, dave at wetflyswing.com, or just ping me on social. I would love to hear um, that you are enjoying these episodes and what we are putting out is resonating with you. Okay, time to get out of here. Time to get off to the next one. I am heading out onto the river and going to chase some steelhead. I'm going to compare those steelhead to the rainbow. And we are doing this trip up in Alaska, one of the things that was the take-home message for me was how much these rainbows not only were they huge, but how much they reminded me of steelhead. I mean, it was—they hammered it, they went crazy, they did cartwheels, um, they jumped, and then when you tried to release them, it was hard to hold these things because they're so spunky. So, if you want a super strong fish, again, just a reminder: this is—it uh, pretty much, it pretty much blew me away. Very similar to steelhead. Um, And I am going for Steelhead this week. So hopefully I get a chance, a shot. Hopefully I can uh, curate, uh, get my spay game a little up to speed. Um, And uh, and yeah, that's it. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, this Alaska giveaway, we've been talking a lot about it, but we're just launching that here soon. Uh, So that's your best chance. I would love to get with you on the water on a trip like that. If I can't, check with me online. And I hope you are having a good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, wherever in the world you are right now. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.